right, so that brings us to Doctor Strange number 44, which is colored by Bob Sharon and lettered by Jim Novak. Wong finishes his story, um, and the upshot of it is this. Wong's ancestor was a priest who was waylaid into the mirror and wound up in this world. Uh, once there, he met Shialmar, and who was a princess. Her brother, uh, whose name escapes me right now, um, and their this sorcerer working with them. Um, Jihan is the king, and Vung is the uh, Vung, yeah, right, sorcerers. And they are fighting against the wizard kings that are supposedly uh, keeping keeping the people of their world down. It turns out that's all bullshit propagated by Vung, who turns against them. Uh, and in order, he serves the Ingarai, uh, these dark gods. He is going to kill the rest of them because he's like thanks for taking out the wizard kings now i can rule like could you be any more cliche asshole but shialmar is like wait ingarai i promise myself to you give me your power and vung is just like wait what and the ingarai do and so she slays vung and then she has to kill somebody she loves in order to cement her power. So she kills Jahan and then exiles Khan, uh, Wong's ancestor. This then leads Khan to apprentice himself to serve some magician. Uh, and that's what every member of their... Uh, family has done ever since. One thing that is missing from this story is an explanation as to why now Shialmar gives a shit about Wong. Uh-huh. Am I wrong? Nope. You are not. Because uh, I, I was like... She... I don't understand why she wants him. I get well. Their, that's I get their connection, right? Right. I get that there's a. I get that there is a familial connection, mm-hmm. but given that Wong's presence attracts the attention of Doctor Strange, which Shialmar specifically did not want, it may like the only thing I can surmise. Is that given given at the end of this, Shialmar, like, as she's dying, spoiler alert, she dies, whatever. Uh, as she's dying, she talks to Wong as if he is Khan. Yeah. But still, all the same, Shialmar doesn't think Wong is Khan prior to her death it's only as she's dying that she's like 
uh, and that's like standard dying shit that's like, oh, my love. And it's like, I'm not your love, but whatever, I'll, I'll allow it. There is no actual explanation in the course of this as to why, you know, all of this is supposition on my part. Yeah. And like there has there has yet to be an in-story reason for why she wants Wong other than because that'll bring Doctor Strange there and we need that for the story. Um, but whatever. So Wong finishes his pointless story, at which point Shiomar attacks. Uh, it's really nice of her to wait until he was done, though I will give her that. That is, that's class uh-huh. right there. Yeah. Um, the battle is fierce. A whole bunch of people are turned into gargoyles, but it's okay because they revert once it's over. Um, Strange is able to defeat Shialmar. Um, and a bolt of mystic lightning strikes both of them, as well as the sanctum. And again, far as I can tell, it didn't do anything. But I mention it because, like, in two weeks' time, it'll probably be like, remember that mystic bolt that hit? So, whatever. But uh, Shialmar hits the ground and reverts to who she was before the deal with the Ingare. Uh, and hooray, but she's also robbed of the immortality that's kept her alive up till now. And so she dies and everybody's just like, well, that sucks. Home, home, home. Okay. Bye. Um, so it yeah, it's very, uh, very, all right. Well, man. All right, let's make out and go home. In that order. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, there were, there were things I really liked about Doctor Strange this week and things that I'm just like, you bring this stuff up and then you don't pay it off in any way. Mm-hmm. You don't explain why this happened, even though, like... You know, it's 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 frustrating to have these plot points that are brought up and then just kind of dropped the minute Claremont gets distracted by something. It and is. Um, so. Well, OK, so it's almost like he feels like he did it, like he did explain why she wants Wong. It's like, no, no, she explained the or Wong explained the connection. He didn't explain why she brought him here. Right. Because she kicked Khan out to save him. Right? Like, right. she did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Why would she bring Wong back? You can't if... tell me it's because she loved Khan. Because she kicked Khan out to save him. Like, that was And even if deal. she went back on that, Khan's been dead. Right. Khan's been dead like there's not like even if she decided well that was a mistake he probably could or even if the shadow queen part was just like well couldn't shouldn't have done that should have kept him around to fuck with him for a while but like okay but he's dead Mm -hmm. and so like 
literally the only reason would be to fuck with his remaining heir. Yeah. But like, they never say that that's the case. And so again, we're left to supposition in that regard. And that's the, the pro the problem is that like, look, I don't need everything spelled out for me. Okay. I don't, I'm not like somebody who I'm not, I'm not Richard Dawkins over here. Like, well, what even is the point of the metamorphosis? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm just saying that like, if there is a plot point wherein evil sorceress from another dimension kidnaps the descendant of a guy she knew I need a reason for why she kidnapped his descendant that's not just, well, he's de- he's his descendant. Yeah, but... Yeah, but why? And yeah. also, I need her to acknowledge that whatever the reason is needs to be important enough that she can risk Doctor Strange's... or the Sorcerer Supreme's involvement. Because right. she very specifically says she does not want that to happen. That would right. that would jeopardize her goal. And it's like, okay. So whatever reason she has, has to be worth the possibility of that happening. Right. Whatever. Moving on. Uh, Man Thing number five has a cover by Bob Wachek, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Don Perlin, inked by Bob Wachek, colored by Ben Sean, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Denny O'Neill. Uh, this is this is one where we kind of have to consider things in the context of the time. Uh, because, so, this story centers around Barbie Bannister, who is being chased through the for- Florida swamp uh, by man thing because she's terrified and then there are these other dudes who are after her and we find out that the reason is because this douche marine named ian uh met her she was she, barbie is somebody for whom everything has come easy and that somehow is a tragic origin um but so she starts she starts being like, what even is the point in doing drugs? Which, okay, like, I don't know. I always felt like people who had everything come easy took drugs just because drugs feel good. Like, I didn't think they were out here like, man, my life's too perfect, better wreck it. Um, but whatever, I don't know. I've never been someone who's just like naturally good at stuff. So, whatever. But... Her parents pull her out of college to take her on their yacht uh, for a trip through the Mediterranean to get her head right. Or, I'm sorry, the not the Mediterranean, the Caribbean, to get her head right. Which, again, is not something I can identify with. Um, during that time, she meets this dude, Ian, and she's like, we should bring him on board for this last leg of the journey. And her parents are like, no, we shouldn't. But then she talks them into it because, again, everything comes easy to her. And then naturally, he kills her parents and commandeers their boat for drug smuggling. Uh, The pirates are implied to have raped her. 
Correct. Yeah. And then she manages to escape, so they come after her because no witnesses. Um, she is able, through the course of things, to, um, to sort of put them between her and man thing so he winds up coming after coming at them they're like oh shit and get scared and then man thing kills them but ian's like i'm not afraid but barbie is able to escape she gets to the sheriff she's able to tell the sheriff what happened and give a description of ian but ian's like well now i just have to kill you i was gonna kill you before but now like I have to on principle. And so he comes after her, at which point she stoves his head in and calls the cops. Now, I say stoves his head in. She doesn't kill him. She's like, I don't have to kill you. Uh, it would be too easy to kill you and I'm done taking the easy way out. Uh, but she does. She she clocks him. Um, and yeah, the th the reason that I say that this is something that has to be framed within the context of when it came out is that when you look at feminist portrayals in media, uh -huh. it has changed. It has changed a lot over the years. Yes. A, a portrayal like this would have been considered incredibly incredibly feminist perhaps for the time because she has agency she overcomes stuff instead of just being a helpless damsel in distress mm -hmm. so for the time thumbs up however when you are looking at it now when you are reading it now and from a a 2021 perspective it is generally assumed now that in order to qualify as being feminist that you cannot have a woman who comes to her into her own power solely through the trauma that men inflict upon her and therein lies the issue with this now mm -hmm. um you know, so it's it's one of those things of it is interesting to go back and look at these things and look at the changing attitudes toward women mm -hmm. in narratives. But it always has to come with that asterisk of, yeah, but, you know, and so it's it's like yes it was feminist for the time it would not stand up now to the basic sort of like yeah but like what if we had a woman character who was a badass without all the shit ever happening to her i mean you look at her you look at her and this is comparable to when like rise of the tomb raider came out and everybody's like yeah she's really cool it just sucks that like all the shit happens to her uh -huh. first why can't she be a badass without that happening and i think i think it's it's definitely interesting to look at it through that lens um 
I agree. And I also, I, I totally get that the, this is a product of its, of its era too, because right. if you think about it in, um, other media, uh, this is a very Laurie Strode, um, Halloween kind of character where, which is actually something I meant to bring up in the course of, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, where she's being stalked by, in this case, it's two unstoppable forces and she uses one against the other, thinks she's safe, isn't, and then, uh, you know, stops the bad guy herself. Right. Um, it very, very Halloween, 1970, what was that, 74? Well, it was 1978, and and I think that's worth mentioning in this context simply because, you know, this is this issue came out in 1980, uh, so we are two years removed from the Halloween, uh, the first Halloween movie, and it it definitely has the DNA of Laurie Strode mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's it's interesting yeah. too that uh even even final girl movies have evolved since then yeah um and how how they work started very much or were solidified very much with that first Halloween movie but and I'm you know I'm not a very I can't watch horror movies because I am have anxiety uh so i get too fucking wrapped up it it makes a lot of sense now that i'm like oh i have anxiety i can't that's why i can't fucking watch these it's because i go insane um but like so i'm scary movies and me don't get along uh and uh so i'm not a guy you know if you're listening to this and you think i'm way off base i agree with you um if you're a horror head and uh you 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 understand this better than me. I absolutely agree. Uh, but like, it feels like that was very solidified with um, Halloween. And then, you know, three years later or no, two years. Yeah. This next year, two years later with uh, alien and like, but like, even then, like we were already seeing, you know, the progression is so quick to how, those kind of final girl movies work. When are you saying Alien came out? 1979? Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, I was making sure I understood you correctly. That's all. Um, Go ahead. And is that right? I'm usually pretty Yeah, it's 1979. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't know. I just, I agree with you that it is very much a thing of its time and it feels very, um, uh, I don't know, 70s, Halloween. I've beat this horse to death and I don't think I know what my point is anymore. So it is, it is very, uh, first or second wave feminism mm-hmm. in that, in that it is that, it is that sort of like, what if a woman doesn't just sit there and die? Or yeah, what if a woman doesn't just get saved by a guy? Mm -hmm. Like, what if they actually have an active hand in their own rescue? And yeah, I mean that's that's a fair critique for the time. I think, and I think it's fair 
now to be like, what if a woman is able to affect agency in her own rescue without having all of this violence inflicted upon her by men? Yeah. And I think that's a fair critique now. And I'm sure in 20 years time, there will be another critique wherein it's like, okay, what if a woman is able to come into her own power and affect her own rescue without some other thing that seems perfectly innocuous now? And yeah. because that's how, it, that's how it works. Like, right. I don't, I don't think there may be an end point to feminist critique of media. I, I don't know. Um, I think we're a long way from it. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I, th I think we're a long way from that point. But I think but the progression is good. Yeah. That means we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. So. And I mean, it's, it's cool to see a character in general get that agency where that character would not have that agency in a story five years earlier. Right. Right. So. Right. Good. Um, again. And I think we're, I think we're coming, we're coming to that point with other things as well. I think, you know, I think that, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about how, LGBT yeah. representation in things is often trauma porn. Yep. Uh, where it is solely about like the pain of a person going through that instead of seeing the joy at being able to be. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, we're coming. We're coming to that point with representation of minorities in movies where we're. We're starting to move. We're starting. We haven't succeeded yet. Yeah. We're starting to move away from the white savior mm -hmm. uh, trope. Yep. Um, where at least it's being called out, and I think I think calling those things out is part of the part of the the first step in the process. You have to see those things and just be like, mm, no, and then you can start changing it. I feel um, like the call out has been happening for a little while ever since yeah it has uh, um the last one that i can really think of is avatar probably there's been at least one since but avatar i remember thinking we don't need the this help. fucking the help to but uh, yeah the help hidden hidden figures had some white savior bullshit in it yeah uh, uh but i remember reading things especially when avatar came out that it was very like we don't need this fucking story anymore like right. we've done we've done this so many yeah. times with avatar it's like specifically this with yeah. last samurai and uh dances with dances wolves. With wolves and all duh, 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 duh. i don't need this anymore um right and now we're getting you know i'm thinking in the heights or uh crazy rich asians which i haven't seen so i don't know i haven't seen either of those um but it's like you just get to have your movie go oh. okay and people generally 
the general audience goes, okay, key, keen, instead of like yeah. having to have think pieces about it. Like, it's just... There are still thing pieces sure. about in the heights. All right. Uh, I haven't seen still them. Some co- well, there's there's still apparently some colorism. Oh. Uh, like, they, they actually, like, I guess... Uh, the the movie has a whole lot of lighter skinned uh, Latinx people, where the pl- the play actually even has a storyline in which a woman starts dating a darker skinned man who's like Dominican or something, you know, something like that, and her father doesn't like it but that they cut that for the film. Huh. Um, and so Lin-Manuel Miranda actually came out and apologized and was like, you know, I did my best, but I still kind of fucked it up. Uh, I'll try to do better. Now, I've seen huh. I've seen something that some idiot, some right-wing idiot on tri- Twitter was sharing about how they're going back and darkening the skin in, of some of the characters in the movie, and I don't think that's happening. I don't... Huh. I cannot... I find it hard to believe but whatever that's a whole other thing the point the point is it the point is i don't fucking know man yeah i'm trying i'm trying i i feel like like i feel like maybe i I definitely have run up into the maybe you are not the guy anymore in this conversation Lin-Manuel Miranda has apparently not been the guy for that conversation for a while. Oh. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of Puerto Ricans who do not like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a whole thing that's... It's it's interesting to read about. It, it comes... I guess it comes down to there are a lot of people who feel that Lin-Manuel Miranda's family has kind of looted Puerto Rico for their own gain. Uh, yeah so i i don't i don't know i know those criticisms are out there i don't know enough about them as it stands to be able to effectively argue one way or the other i'm just saying i know that that criticism exists and i have tried to educate myself on it but i do not feel comfortable being like i'm the man to tackle the lin-manuel miranda situation nope because i am not nope Uh, i am definitely not uh even even if i knew the situation intimately i would still just be like not my place like i'm not the guy but yeah we should move on yeah we really probably there's a there's a whole lot lot there there's a lot of there there yeah Uh, and i'm not the guy because i'm not smart enough and I don't, I'm not educated enough and I don't know. I'm not coming from the right. Uh, I would area. rather, I would personally rather like, like, Hey, go find, go find somebody who is Puerto Rican, who is in a better position to, yeah. And if I'd known, if I'd known we were going to wind up talking about this, I might've had like links ready so that I could elevate an actual Puerto Rican voice in this. Yeah. But I didn't know we were going to. So. Sorry. Sorry. I'll I'll see if I can include them in the link to the episode. Yeah. All right. So. Spider-Man. Um, 
Well, Marvel 2-in-1 Annual, oh, number right. four, has a cover by Joe Sinnott and John Costanza, written by Alan Brodsky and David Michelinie, penciled by Jim Craig, inked by Bob Budiansky and Bruce Patterson, colored by George Bell, lettered by Irving Watanabe, and ed- edited by Roger Stern. The Inhumans come looking for the Fantastic Four for help because under Adeline is under attack again. And I kind of feel like, just hurry up and move it to the moon. Like, you, you're under attack so much. And I, I feel like Adeline is not a place that is inextricably... Like, I'm not saying the Wakandans should move. Okay? Because Wakanda is where it is and it exists in that place. Adelan is a domed city with no contact with its neighbors. And when they move the city, they move the entire goddamn city. So, like, what are you losing by going to the moon? You're able to move about perfectly freely, but whatever. We haven't gotten to that yet. But anyway, Adelan is under attack again somehow. Uh, They come looking for the Fantastic Four and they're not there. So... Black Bolt tells Medusa to fuck off back to Adeline and he'll deal with this. So he goes looking for Ben. Um, They find each other, but they get distracted by the return of Graviton. Uh, Graviton goes from vaguely amnesiac and blinking in and out of existence to remembering who he is. And now he's a big, angry gravity monster which sure um what it amounts to is he he is the protrusion into this universe of another universe because he basically made himself a black hole which okay um but then like uh ben and thing are trying to figure out how to fight him and graviton keeps having these moments of lucidity where he's just like Oh, fuck. Because he tries to ask Black Bolt for sanctuary in Adelan, and Black Bolt is just like, no. Yeah. No. Uh, which, he's not inhuman, so that makes sense. Um, but in the end, they work out that they can... They can pile some antimatter onto a... onto a chunk of street that the thing ripped out sure they will then lob the antimatter laden boulder at graviton and that becomes the plan but then right before it goes to hit graviton black bolt's like oh shit no and like knocks it away um because he realizes that Graviton wants to die. And so Graviton's like, hey, thanks for letting me at least say my piece. And he's like, things fucking suck. And then disappears into another universe. And at the end of this, that's just, that's it. Like, I guess we are going to get follow up on what's going on in Adelan in Marvel 2 and 1. So that's something. But, uh, I mean... Well, okay, let's let's remember 
so the end of this is funny to me because it's like Ben has a very uh oh man it's kind of sad that he got he never found any place that he could belong and I'm like this is a man who tried to drop an island on New York City fuck this guy mm-hmm. I don't really care like existence sucks sure but you're a dick <laughs> so whatever like you caused all of this to happen to yourself yeah. I'm, I'm glad you didn't get to destroy more of the city. Um, so, fuck this guy. I will say we get some FaceTime with Jarvis, so if that's a selling point for you, go check out Marvel 2-in-1 Annual Number 4, because there's a lot of Jarvis in the, in this one just being like, Oh no! Oh! Oh! Is everybody okay? Oh, I better go... And it's just kind of like, cool, yeah, if that's what floats your boat. I I also like that for a while there, um, we just lose Alicia, or Alicia. She's just, like, mm-hmm. vanished. And then we pick her back up, and she's like, oh, she was at Avengers Mansion. Why? Because? Okay. Sure. I don't know. I mean, that's probably the safest place for her to be, except for the fact that ostensibly the woman Graviton is obsessed with is there, which means there's a better than average chance Graviton's coming there looking for her. But other than that, it's the safest place to be. Whatever. Moving on. Uh, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 25 has a cover by Keith Pollard, written by Bill Mantlow, penciled by Jim Mooney, inked by Frank Springer, colored by Petra Goldberg, lettered by Elaine Heinel, and edited by Bob Hall. Carrion, a new villain. Uh, Carrion. I said it carry-on, like, carry-on baggage. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a rolling suitcase. Or, um, or a wayward son. Sure. Uh, tries to get, tries to get hired by the Magia to kill Spider-Man, but they're just like, no, you're too dangerous to us to just, like, willingly ally ourselves with, and Carrion's like, fair point, and disappears. Uh, so the Masked Marauder puts in motion a plan to rob the bank, rob Citibank Tower, uh, with his newly built Tri-Man and Tri-Man is able to convert from bird to man to different bird as we find out later. All right. Uh, But Spider-Man intervenes in the bank heist, but is blinded by Masked Marauder and Masked Marauder is like, ha 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 ha. Now it's permanent. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a this this whole issue is like mostly set up for what we're doing the rest of this week. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's setup. Not, there's a lot of like there's some white tiger shoved in here so that we make sure that remember that he's in this book. Um, yeah, there is a thing where he like stops some kids from stealing a car, but then it turns out that the car belongs to a drug pusher. So. White Tiger deals with the drug pusher and tells him to get the fuck out of Spanish Harlem. 
And the drug pusher's like, I'll leave, but I'll be back, man. And the punk's like, whatever, we'll deal with you when you come back. Right, White Tiger? White Tiger? Yeah. Yeah. He left. Uh, (laughs) But, (laughs) whatever. Uh, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 26, has a cover by Ed Hannigan, Bob McCloud, and Irving Watanabe is colored by Karen Rains, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Rick Parker, and edited by Joe Duffy. Um, Mary Jane and Betty Leeds bond uh, over their mutual attraction to Peter Parker and the fact that it's all kind of generally fucked up right now. Uh, Meanwhile, Spider-Man tries to adjust to his inability to see uh because spider-man was implicated in the robbery daredevil goes looking for him to find out what the fuck is what um and winds up saving him from walking off a building and realizes oh shit you're blind uh this is this is some weird this does some weird stuff with daredevil and the blindness thing which we'll get to but it it is kind of um this week is the first indication we get that daredevil is not an anomaly um but we'll get to that um so peter parker's spectacular spider-man number 27 has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Al Milgram and is penciled by Frank Miller, colored by Bob Sharon and lettered by Denise Wall. Uh, Daredevil tries to help Spider-Man by taking him to see this guy, Dr. Orlock, who says there's no damage to the optic nerve, but we don't really know what it's going to do. Uh, maybe it'll heal and maybe it won't. We don't know. Um, Spider-Man gets really morose and is just generally like, What even is the point of a Spider-Man that can't see? Uh, Meanwhile, Carrion trashes Peter's apartment and leaves a message for him. Um, But Daredevil and Spider-Man track the Masked Marauder via Spider Tracer uh, as Masked Marauder turns the Tri-Man into a nuke in his other bird mode. Uh... Because Tri-Man really is the shittiest triple-changer transformer here. Because he goes from bird to man, and then it's like, and a slightly larger bird. And it's just kind of like, that's not, you don't get to claim that as a third form. You don't get to do that. Like, Transformers didn't get to do that with Broadside whose whose modes were robot aircraft carrier which was just a stick (laughs) and then plane which was stick with wings like you they didn't get to do that you don't get to do two bird modes fuck you anyway so uh mass marauder is shoving plutonium up try man's ass <laughs> so that he can then ransom new york um 
Spidey and Daredevil track him to this building that is under construction. There's a fight, and Spider-Man gets knocked out the window by Tri-Man, who takes off to go begin the ransom. Blow up New York. Yeah. So, I, you know, whatever. Um, everybody, everybody's wondering where Peter is because he's just not around. And this is the thing that I like is when sometimes people, the rest of the people in Peter's life are just like, have you seen Peter? Is he dead? Like what's, (laughs) what's happening? And like, Uh, it happened earlier in the story, but, uh, both Betty and MJ end up on, uh, Peter's buildings front walk being like oh i'm here to you know be in love with peter is that what you're here for she oh yeah no that's that's what i was gonna do huh friends and they yeah. just, like they become bffs again because they've under the common knowledge that they both love the same dude and it's like that's the a weirdly healthy way to look at this i guess it it is. I I do have to give them credit because they could very easily go yeah caddy uh-huh. with this, uh, and they didn't. Like it is. It's it. They're just like they go they go inside to wait for Peter, and while they're in there, they talk, and it's just like cool. I you know i guess i still want to be with peter i hope it's me but in the meantime i don't see why we can't be friends so yeah it's a it's and their her his landlord landlady thinks that they have a uh a reverse threes company going on and she's all like "Mm, don't like it yeah the land the landlady is something else in this I I do it's really hard to read this and not just be like Mary Jane Betty why him I mean like as a reader I know why him but like seeing him flip the fuck out over being over being blind and again I feel like somebody owes Daredevil an apology once it becomes clear that he is blind like uh because once that comes out, I feel like Peter's just got to be like, oh, fuck. Hey, I, I was I said I was useless and oh, like yeah. not worth anything because I was blind that time. And Daredevil's like, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> but yeah, kind of hurt. It's OK. It's OK. It's you OK. Did, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't know. You didn't know. And that doesn't make it OK. You didn't. But, but it doesn't make it OK. But it's not like I was broadcasting it so that you could, you know, not walk into yeah. that minefield. You did it. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. We're fine. Yeah. But I appreciate. But I appreciate the apology. Right. That that would be nice. Uh, so Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number twenty-eight has a cover by Keith Pollard and Al Milgram. Colored by Mario Sen, lettered by Denise Wall and Elaine Heinel, and edited by Al Milgram. Uh, Daredevil defeats Masked Marauder and his men as Spider-Man manages to use uh, his spider sense and hearing to web onto the Tri-Man. And as he's like flying along on Tri-Man, 
we start seeing him developing a radar sense, uh, which, like I said, you know, it since you know over the course of Daredevil's development, we learned that the radiation purely allowed Daredevil to automatically develop an ability that he would have been able to develop otherwise with the right education. No. Um, this is the radar sense is a skill that blind people in this universe can develop. Um, and once again, radiation makes that easier because Peter Parker is out here developing that shit on the fly. Mm -hmm. Um, but then like he's able to take out Tri-Man and no sooner does that happen than he realizes his eyes are developing, at which point he forgets all about that fucking radar sense shit. And he's just like, yay, I can see. And Daredevil's like, hurtful. Um, <laughs> but returning home, he discovers his trash department and uh, White Tiger offers him a couch to crash on. Uh, he's like, meet me at ESU library tonight and we'll head over there. And Peter's like, yeah, cool. Uh, but when he goes to meet him, he finds Carrion has attacked Hector and knows his secret identity. So that brings us to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 29, which has a cover by Keith Pollard and Bob McCloud, penciled by Jim Mooney, colored by Ben Sean, and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Um... Peter fends off Carrion's attack as Carrion is like ranting about all the people Spider-Man has murdered. Uh, but they manage to survive and Hector and Holly Gillis take Peter to the doctor. Um, and then Hector decides as White Tiger to go following Peter to help protect him. Um, while this is going on, Peter meets a student named Randy Vale, who's just like, you're going to be my teacher, my grad student teacher assistant next semester. And Peter's like, that's cool. Who are you? Um, but why Tiger is interrupted in his masked protector thing by this guy named Darter, uh, who generally sucks, like shitty name, not was like he has earned the name he deserves because he sucks all around. Yeah. And Darter just lets people know that up front. Uh-huh. Uh, but the... Do what? I said I was agreeing. Oh. Uh, in the end, we wind up with Carrion uh, attacking Peter in the ESU gymnasium. And Darter and White Tiger wind up there. Blah, blah, blah. It's a huge thing. And then at the end of it, we find out what the fuck Carrion is talking about uh, when he straight up accuses Peter of the murders of Gwen Stacy and Miles Warren. Blah. Uh, that brings us. What? It's just. Did you so have anything? No, it's just so stupid. Like, I mean, I, yeah. they were telegraphing it so hard that it's it was going to be a jackal thing, um, just because of how he knew 
his murder. He was he knew his he knew Peter's identity, and he also knew or and was blaming him for killing people. And I'm like, okay, so it's right. a jackal thing. Yeah, surprise! It, it was Clone Saga all along. Uh, exactly. I was like, oh my god, are we really gonna do a fucking clone thing already? I don't want to do a clone thing yet. And then it's a clone thing. But it's a twisted clone thing. Shut up, book. You don't get a pass for that. Um, well, what's what's frustrating is it is very easy to think that, you know, it was the clone saga was the 70s and then the 90s, but it wasn't. It was the 70s. Then it popped up again and again for a while. Until eventually it became the Clone Saga in the 90s. But there's a whole lot because, like, uh, Carrion shows up multiple times in different forms. And we get a whole thing about how the Beyonder reveals that Miles Warren didn't actually develop cloning technology. He developed a virus that turned people into clones. So, like... You infected so, so that Gwen Stacy clone was a person that was infected into becoming Gwen Stacy, which is really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But then they're like, but no, actually, he didn't do that. He did actually develop cloning technology. But now in the most recent incarnation, Carrion is a sentient virus, and it's just a whole, I don't know, whatever. Moving on. Uh, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man number 30 is lettered by Jim Novak. Um, the battle continues and Carrion is just like ranting, just random bullshit. Um, but in the end, Carrion abducts Peter and takes him to a lab where he reveals that he is actually a clone of Miles Warren. Um, and Peter's like, well, so all that means is you have all the knowledge of Miles Warren up until he was cloned. But Miles Warren found out shit later that you don't know. So maybe you should shut the fuck up and let me tell you how it is. And Carrion's like, no. Uh, so he uses Peter's DNA to create an, a spider amoeba. Uh-huh. Because comics. I have nothing about this. Except that we do get that uh, White Tiger manages to get through to Darter to tell him, you know, that Carrion's just going to betray you and dissolve your body, dummy. And he's like, oh no, he really is. Like, yeah, of course he is. His name is Carrion. Well, he, he he initially is just like, that's not true, you're lying. But then in the next issue does discover that. Yeah. And he's just like, this is bullshit. If you can't trust a supervillain, who can you trust? And it's like literally anyone else. Yeah. Um, it's right there. Yeah. On the, it's right there on the tin. Like. Yeah. Super villain. It comes baked bruh. in with villain. Yeah. It's it's just right I there. Don't, I don't know. Like. A dude named Carrion? That's that's not a superhero name. No. There were there were other there were other super villain names that are like 
Maybe. <sighs> like, I could see a hero called Red Skull. Or Cra- okay. Craven the Hunter. Oh, actually, no. Doesn't work. Because Craven. That's a bad name. Yeah. That's a scared name. That's a name. bad name. Mysterio? That could be a hero or a villain. Yeah, maybe. You know, even Venom. Yeah. Venom could be a hero or a villain. But uh, Carrion? Like, no. You're talking about what vultures eat, brah. Yeah. Like, that's a villain. Yeah. There is no, there is no. And then you throw. Like, when when a superhero is workshopping their name, Carrion is not going to be on the list. And then you throw the whole, like, mummy motif he's got going on. And it's like, yeah, no, that's a bad guy. You're going to yeah. get betrayed by that guy. I don't, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It's it's really just like, how could this happen? Says guy who totally should have seen this coming. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man number 31, has a cover by Keith Pollard and Klaus Janssen and is colored by Mario Sen and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Peter tries repeatedly to tell Carrion he's being an asshole. And Carrion's like, no, I don't think so. And the amoeba attacks Peter. It's not going well. Vale, Randy Vale, meanwhile, is just just like, oh my god. The guy I was told was going to betray me never actually intended to do the thing he said he would do. What a betrayal. And he's just like... Uh, I'm going to get you Carrion and Carrion's like, okay, we'll just move the timetable up and kills him. White Tiger shows up and is like, I'm here to help. And then like gets knocked into some equipment, starts a fire and then just kind of sits shit out. Cause like he's separated by a wall of flame from Carrion and Spider-Man. And so he's just like. All right, guess I'm done. <laughs> and uh, that's why I don't like White Tiger being in this book. I would, ra- yeah, I would be okay with him having his own stories, but it just feels like he's always getting shoehorned in. As far as like, now you're part of the story, and I'm like, no, you're not. You can't be because Spider-Man book. Like he has to be on his own and do diver- uh, or uh, persevere through adversity and stuff, and like that's. You end up getting the shitty darter fight, right? Yeah. Like, that's too bad. That's bad for a white tiger. It's a bad look. I just, I feel like, okay, have him in the book. Cool. Okay. Give him something to do. Yeah, like, absolutely. If he's if he's going to be here, like, don't have him show up to help Pete and then just not help. Yeah. That's, that... That annoys me as a reader. It makes Hector look like a shitty hero. Absolutely. And that's Because sucks. literally, he's just like, here I come, Spider-Man. And then, like, Carrion's just like, swat. And then, like, yeah. some stuff explodes. And, like, Hector's not there anymore. That's what I mean. Like, is it sucks for Hector, as a hero, to be like, I'm really good at what I do. And we're like, okay, cool. And then when I'm shown what he does... What he does is trip over his own dick and start a fire. And it's like, that's not cool, dude. You're not helping. You actively made it worse. Um, Yeah. And it started with giant spider amoeba, which 
yeah, uh, I know what I just said. And now it's go- now it's also on fire. So this isn't good. Um, anyway, right. Spider-Man ends up being able to turn the spider amoeba against uh, Carrion because they're made of the same thing or something. And uh, everybody dies in a fire. Spider-Man gets out. And Spider-Man's just like, all right. Yeah. Like, and overall, like, just bring back Jackal. Like, and I, I know I say that, I say that not as someone who just loves Jackal so much that I just want him back, but just if you, if you want to do this, just bring back the Jackal. Yeah. Why do we have to sit through fucking Carrion, who, in all of the things I've read with him, does not add much at all. Uh, there's, there's never, I've never been, I've never been looking at a Spider-Man book and been like, yay, Carrion. And then like, more to the point, I've never read that book and then been like, I'm glad he was there. Never. Not once. This so. is this is an interesting week in that uh, this is the first time in a while. I, I'm sure it's happened, but th- it's been a while that we've had a week where I thought I was having fun while I was reading them. And then we talk about it and I'm like, this all sucks. Like, <laughs> Well, that's because my superpower is ruining things oh, for people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know that. I'm a superhero, and uh, my superhero name is The Downer. The Downer. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, so, you know, people are just like, oh, man, I watched this old movie that I really loved, and I'm just like over to the side, just like, you know, a bunch of horses died during filming. <laughs> and they're just like, oh. <laughs> oh. oh, that sucks. Well, at least it's got this one actor that I really like. This actor is really good. And it's just like, yeah, you know, he choked his wife. And it's just like, why do I hang out with you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I used, I, my superpower used to be able to uh, uh, ruin any conversation. Mm. Just by making it awkward. And people didn't believe me. And then I'd show them. And they would be like, oh yeah see that that seems like the sort of thing that could be turned to good oh like i can i feel like i can use it to get rid of people like if you're at a party i feel like you could you could hire yourself out to like people that are just constantly winding up in conversations they don't want to be in so you just like hang back and wait and then when they're like approached by the creeper or whatever or the crypto bro you just come in and you you make shit awkward and then the person is just like, I'm going to go find something else. See, and it's just like, thank you, Max. You're crypto- my hero. No, no, no. But Crypto Bro is my kryptonite. I can't. Oh. Because you can't get that guy. You cannot get that bro. That bro True. is going to talk about that thing. Whatever it is, cryptocurrency is, you know, hot right now. That, that VC motherfucker is going to... He's gonna get you. Um, See, you keep you, you've used that term several times, and I know, 
I know you mean venture capital. Uh-huh. But every time I hear it, my brain goes Viet Cong. Oh. And <laughs> no. <laughs> adds an entirely new dimension to the conversation. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Overall, it's just a whole lot of like, why are we even doing doing this? Like, yeah, just I, bring back the jackal. If you want to do clone things, that's fine. I would rather you didn't, but if you have to, if it's a burning desire, bring back the right. jackal. That's okay. Um, or, or even if you want to do villain knows Spider Man's identity inexplicably, right? Like. You can right. do. You can do. Just bring back the jackal. That's okay, because he's better. He's a. It's better looking, which is fucking weird. It definitely. I don't know why I would rather be looking at the jackal for fourteen or eighteen pages than I would. Carrion, but Carrion is. It feels uninspired, and I don't like it. Um, yeah, it's really. It's really kind of. I don't know. He looks like a plague mummy. Yep. And I get that that's what they're going for, but it's not a it's not a look that says like graphic design is my passion. Yeah. It's a it's a look that says like graphic design is my passion. <laughs> like you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh god, top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Top 5. Number 5. Oh god, I missed the jackal. Um, just bring him back. Why would you do this? Um, 4. Spider-Man owes DD an, or Daredevil an apology. For all of the blind stuff. Uh, number three. What? Inevitable betrayal? No. Uh, number two. Uh, how goes that fixin' man thing, Doc? What, uh, any, any progress there? Uh, no? Your dying day. You said that. Okay. Um, and then, <laughs> number one. Do you love him too? Cool. I do too. Let's be... Friends forever. Um, yeah. And actually, I wrote that as a joke initially, but I, I actually kind of like it. Um, that they're both more mature than Peter. Um, I mean, Betty needs... I mean, that's that's not hard. No. Like... No, no. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but they're... I, I still feel like Betty, Betty and Pete need to have the hard conversation that... You know, admittedly, Peter's been trying to bring up. <laughs> hey, are you sure this is... Yeah. Because you're sort of married and you just left him. That doesn't feel like... He keeps trying to bring it up and she's just very... Nope, we're not talking about it. Hi. Okay. <laughs> um... Her, 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 she right. keeps swatting that shit away like Dikembe Mutombo, <laughs> yes. where it's just like, no. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's a that's my sports reference for the month. like not for the day. That's the only one I have. 
<laughs> yep. They, she, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she just she just keeps nope, noping that one down, and uh, he really needs to just be like barge on through, kind of coolly yeah. man into that conversation. But whatever, we'll get there. I assume, or she'll die. I don't know. I don't know what happens to Betty. I forget. She she lives, I think. Okay. I don't know. It's not like, you know, it's, it's not a Karen Page situation where a bunch of horrible things happen to her. No. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not I'm not calling it up offhand is the only problem. Like I can't you asked me and I'm now just like like blank whatever alright um, I'm done number five white tiger helped <laughs> like thanks buddy thanks you uh you hit the showers like it's good, it's, good been, job. it's like good job you're, you're fighting carrion you're fighting his spider amoeba. Have you considered adding fire to the party? <laughs> uh. Um, and it's not even. It's the fire starts, and he's like, "Uh, oops." Spider-Man's here, though, so I guess he'll take care of it. Bye, because like he was there to help Peter initially. Right? Right. And also, hey, Hector. I mean, we're pretty sure Robbie and Mary Jane have put this together by now. You have even more evidence than they do. Hector, who do you think Spider-Man is? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really weird that Hector... Hector knows Carrion is going after Peter Parker, mm-hmm. but then like Carrion shifts his focus to Spider-Man, and he's not just like, "Wait, I thought you wanted Peter Parker dead." Hey, what what's going on? And it's just like. Also, we have a whole lot of we have a whole lot this week of White Tiger ignoring his studying, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's a bad call. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what were you gonna say? Yeah, no, I'm nothing. Just agreeing with that. They they Hector gets a bad rap this week. I just don't think. Yeah, they're not doing well by the character. Yeah. Uh, number four, I, I like to imagine like had, had the shadow queen not attacked right when Wong finished his story that it would have been like everybody sitting around listening and just being like, Hmm, yes. Okay. And then like one guy in the back is like, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think you covered why she gives a shit about you specifically, though. <laughs> and Wong just being like, oh my god, you're right. Oh. 
This makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why am I here? What, what the fuck is that? Why did she abduct me? I would love for my master of the mystic arts to also be like, or to just, Wong finishes the story and Strange just goes, and? Yes, that's the story. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Why you? (laughs) Why? You gave us how and what. And like, that's that's helpful. That's a good start. Right. I really want what, though. Or why. Right. Why is right. important. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number three. While I, while I find Barbie's origin story completely unrelatable, uh, I think her... I, think, I do think her story in this single issue, this standalone issue, is interesting for the time. It's mm-hmm. backward now, but like when you look at it, when you look at it from the standpoint of, well, but you know, women are being fridged repeatedly way into the like way longer than this, then it becomes like, oh, okay, all right. And, and man thing is, I a, see what you're doing. Man thing is a good point or a good place to put this kind of story anyway, because right. man thing is a difficult book mm-hmm. like i said last week it's 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 monster of the week where my main character is the monster and we have to you have to manufacture so much in order to get man thing into a story right like have well, the story begin because most of the time it's and, happening around him and because because Man Thing is purely reactive, mm-hmm. this is the only book where you could do this story. Because any other book, even even a horror book like Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. like the the main character has to get involved somehow, or else why is he here? Right. Um, you know the 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 main character is going to rob agency from. Mm. Barbie's story by virtue of his existence. Yeah. And so the fact that we're able to do this in man thing where he's just, he's always kind of incidental to the story as it is. He wanders in and he's just like, Bleh? <laughs> and they're like, I have stuff going on. And he's like, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Um, number four is uh, Gene Colan's art in Doctor Strange. Like I said, I don't like Gene Colan in every th- book, but in Doctor Strange, cool. Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. Uh, number one is Ted's impotent rage after Mordo's been defeated. And it's just kind of like, ah, I am stuck like this. Um and the fact that Doctor Strange just kind of has to be like, okay, let's make you mindless again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that too. Like, ostensibly that means he's trapped twice. Mm-hmm. Once behind the guise of Man-Thing, and now behind the magic whammy that Strange put on him to suppress his personality again. So that... I don't, 
here's the thing. I don't think he put a whammy on him. I think he took a whammy off. Oh. Like, because I think Mordo had put a whammy on him that resurfaced Ted Salas. Oh. And all Strange did was just like, how about we take that away until we figure things out? Okay. Because then you don't have to suffer like this. Which seems... Yeah. Seems merciful. Right. Until you think about it. Right. But... Just because you don't know you're being abused doesn't mean that's okay. Yeah. That's kind of gross. Yep. But I will say, I I like Ted's input. Even though, like, the whole thing winds up being kind of gross the minute you think about it at all. Uh, I do like his realization of, fuck, I'm stuck like this. Yeah. So... And the and the fact that he realizes how utterly duped he'd been. Like, I was going to help destroy the world on a lie. So Right. It's easier to buy from Man Thing or from Ted Salas though than it is from Darter. You know, because Ted is so desperately needs that. Right? Yeah. Like that's part right. he Desperately, Darter is chasing a power fantasy. Exactly. Ted Salas is chasing getting his life back. Yeah, his humanity. (laughs) Like, and I'm sorry, I totally like ad hoc blocked you. (laughs) No, Uh, no, no. But no, that's perfect. That's what I wanted to say. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, uh, but the upshot is, uh. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, So that is it for us this week. Join us next week. We've got a bunch of Nova and Amazing Spider-Man and then just a smattering of some other stuff. Uh, In the meantime, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Email us at watchersguide.gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, both individually and at watchersguidemu. Uh, and visit our website at watchersguide.com where you can download episodes of the show and see all of the reading lists going back to the very first episode. Have a marvelous week. Bye.